0: state your team your show this is sports nightly lajean in a quarterback from Maryland, looking at third and nine out with 30 yard line LeJon gets the snap gets hit dropped oh what a sack big time hit by jojo doman back at the 21 yard line doman second sack of the year sports nightly during the holidays is presented by the woodhouse auto family With over 6,000 new and pre-owned vehicles in stock, visit woodhouse.com to browse the entire inventory. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I hope you have had a good day today. It's about as perfect a holiday as you could have. I mean, you got football, you got food. And you're usually around family. And that is about as good as it gets. Hopefully you had a chance to take advantage of all that. We're glad to be with you here on a Thanksgiving night on the eve of the Black Friday game between the Cornhuskers and the Iowa Hawkeyes. Might be my favorite holiday, Ben. Those three elements all combined. Doesn't get any better, that.
1: I asked Colin Miller, who was our Cornhusker conversation this week, this question. I'll ask you the same thing. Okay, so you got your plate. Yep. You got the assembly line.
0: Walk us through. The plan of attack. How do you how do you build your yeah, plate? See, because because what people do is they'll stack like the salads first, and you're like, okay, that looks really good. Or even you may have some other kind of little salady type dishes. You know, that looks pretty good. And they save like the turkey or the ham at the other end of the table. And so you got to really be careful that you don't overload the plate mm-hmm. with the stuff at the beginning, so that you have room for the turkey. So or the- what is your like?
1: Proportion size,
0: portion size of each. Way too big of everything. <laughs> Cousin Eddie just scoop it up and yeah. slap it on. So then, but then you feel obligated because you're when you, you 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 force your way through it, you get it done, and then you feel obligated because you're going okay, I this is Thanksgiving, I got to make a second run. I can't just stop with one, knowing that I can push dessert back a while. Yeah, we can delay the start of dessert eating back what, a while. What
1: do you what what do you put the most of on your plate?
0: Probably the one where you, where you obviously put
1: a, a healthy scoop of everything. Probably
0: too much mashed potatoes. But you're like,
1: yeah, this is getting a little extra.
0: Mashed potatoes are might mixed. even go back for a third little, you know, <laughs> yeah. third little scoop. I'm I'm a stu- I love stuffing too. I'm a stuffing guy. You're not I, a stuffing guy. I'm completely out on stuffing. Really? Completely out. Which is probably good because stuffing's very filling. It does fill you up quite a bit if yeah. you get too much no, Yeah. I just I'm it.
1: not a huge fan of the taste taste of it. Uh yeah, I mean the the texture's fine just not a not a huge fan of the taste. So, you know, my I usually just, you know, I walk in and I try and portion it off, right? You you go through the line of whatever's I, I like to start with the turkey. Put that on first. And then that that first of all, you keep the balance of the plate pretty good. You know, you, right. the, the last thing you want to do is a lopsided plate. You you kind of build that layer and then you just, you know, Nate would be upset because he can't have anything touch anything. I don't yeah. know how he does Thanksgiving.
0: And he would eat the turkey of the hand. Well, last. yeah,
1: and I don't know how you how you construct a Thanksgiving plate without the stuff touching each other. To me, that's how you maximize the space. You know, you you, you obviously put the gravy in the hole of the mashed potatoes, but then, you know, I go corn on top of the mashed potatoes. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, if uh, the green bean casserole right on top, you know, I can go anywhere. That can go on top of the turkey, you know, if it wants – um, and then broccoli salad's kind of my. So aim. you'll double up on the veggies, even you'll do both corn and green bean oh, yeah. and casserole. Oh yeah, because I'm out That's on stuffing, so I have to make up. I have to. True. Make, I, I mean, I do have open space. Are you a roll guy? Oh yeah, I'll eat a roll. I'm not. See, like, so bread good. doesn't do a lot for That's me
0: because that that fills you up too. So you're and it's good like about and, waving those things and off. And the
1: the, t- the taste of a roll just doesn't do a lot. Um, now, I'm contradicting myself because I think the best part of Thanksgiving is a turkey sandwich.
0: But yeah, but that's days later. Yeah, that's but like but I'm day. like
1: yeah, I don't I don't like wasting space on my Thanksgiving um, stomach w- with a roll. Just
0: just not my thing. Just it's just a great day. And then then you just push back so like the delayed kickoff. You push back the dessert to you yeah. kind of clear a little space. So do space. you so does your family do you do you guys like dress up? Do, do mm, you
1: do not really do you have to put on an out no. like like we're we're a sweatpants and pajamas family, so we're it's elastic bit, we're maybe a little bit more than that. It's elastic, Sweaters, it's, but- it's elastic waistbands for us. Very good. I mean, is there a worse feeling than sitting on a, on the chair oh, after you gotta- eating with jeans and you have to undo the top <laughs> button? I mean, that's the most uncomfortable feeling ever. Just throw a pair of sweatpants or basketball shorts on and call it good.
0: Oh, you're right, though. I mean, that's usually you got to go and you, see if you're wearing a sweater or, or a sweatshirt or something, you can hide the fact that you've undone that button so that you have yeah. a little bit more see, space. If, you see, you just eliminate that. If you wear like the travel <laughs> pants or the basketball shorts, you're good true yeah that's true that's a good point oh well i hope everybody's had a great day today so much fun football all day along with the nfl going on and and uh then you know a lot of people may be making their maybe, maybe making their tailgate plans for tomorrow's game with the huskers and the hawkeyes weather forecast looks wet it's it does it's not going to be overly cold but it's going to be wet i mean wet and 40s still is not real nice i mean <laughs> 40s dry is fine 40 wet not not a lot of fun it's going to be Gonna be a little little dicey. But but Ben, there's a lot a lot on the line for the Huskers tomorrow. I think there's a lot more for them than Iowa. Iowa's not gonna win the West. They've secured a bull spot. They'd still love to beat Nebraska, so don't get me wrong, they're not gonna come in here and just not care because they, they want to stay all over Nebraska. But for the Huskers, they know if they want to play in a month and keep moving this program down the line, they gotta win tomorrow. Imagine sitting
1: here having this conversation if the Huskers didn't win on Saturday. The Maryland, Maryland game against right.
0: Maryland, right? How we would be feeling uh, right geez, now, whatever we just we would continue the Thanksgiving talk for yeah. another ten minutes. I, I mean, it's just it, it's it's added so much to the week.
1: It's added so much to the build up. Um, you know, we're not, we're not thumbing through the headlines to find a storyline to talk about right now. There there is so much to talk about with this game, and and yes, the rivalry. But I think for me, the biggest theme of this week is. If Nebraska can somehow find a way to win this game, and it just happens to be Iowa's the team that they're playing at the end, you you almost feel like you salvage the season. You almost feel like the losses with Indiana, with Purdue, all the way back to Colorado, um, you, you can almost get over it. You know, it's like Nebraska can make up for one of those. Nebraska of those. should probably be sitting here with seven or eight wins right now. Like, and I feel pretty confident in saying that That they haven't. And you can't go back and change this player, that player, whatever. Their record is their record. But you almost feel like you can right some of that wrong with a win against Iowa. And to find a way into postseason play, you make that – you you get to that six-win plateau. Yes, all the practices that everybody wants to talk about and it helps recruiting and all that. But to just prove to your players that you guys can do this. And, and when you play to your – even to a close of your abilities, you get rewarded with things like for a bowl game. And I never thought I'd say that about a six and six football team. It's amazing how the times have
0: changed this program in the last 10 years, but this team really needs to find a way to get to a bowl game. Need the practice time, right? I mean, how how valuable would that be for all this, these young players in this program to get whatever it is, eight, 10, 12. I'm not sure what the full number is, eight, 10, 12, more practices to get ready and and an offense that, the only senior that's gonna really be on the field tomorrow on the offensive side of the ball is Mike Williams and Jeron Woodyard. He may be out there too because of all the injuries Nebraska's had there. But to get the extra practice time and to snap the four game losing streak. I mean, Iowa has owned this thing, uh, since Nebraska won that overtime game to end the twenty fourteen season. It has been all Iowa in this deal. Yeah, and, and so that, that you know, that that's my big theme, but then you have these other things, right? You know, the, this this
1: this team hasn't beat Iowa in so long and um you know the, the the rivalry there what happened last year the the empty feeling we had leaving Kinnick you know all those other feelings start to trickle into why this game matters so much um I I, I truly feel like uh the motivation is there for this team and I think that the thing that's important to me is I think there's a fair balance of confidence from last week and hunger of, of the past with these guys. I think that's a good balance that that this team has right now to put themselves in the right mindset. I don't think, you know, if, if it was the other way around and Nebraska had beaten Iowa four or five straight times, you wonder if that motivation is going to be there. You know, you might just be feeling yourself strutting around this week thinking you're real good after what happened in Maryland. That's not the case, and I feel like this team is – is very hungry to play this game. And again, the, the, the whole the whole theme of the day is going to be, can you put forth the attitude, effort, passion, intensity,
0: physicality that you had against Wisconsin? If you can do that, you got a good shot to win. In each and every Husker game day, you sit down with a member of the Husker football team for your Cornhusker conversation. What do you have on tap for this one? Yeah, this week is a
1: very instrumental part to Nebraska's defense, uh, an area that was real thin before he decided to, to go bring himself in as a reinforcement to that spot, that being Colin Miller going from outside linebacker to inside linebacker, and has really been part of that three-headed monster for the Huskers this year, playing that position along with Will Honus and Muhammad Berry. So earlier this week, we did have a chance to sit down with Colin Miller from Fisher's Indiana welcome back it's another edition of our Cornhusker conversation too welcome in Husker middle outside middle outside middle middle I don't know what middle. to call it. yeah middle yeah. linebacker Colin Miller you had to make the position switch let's start there yeah. um, for you where that kind of started I know we were thin in the middle you were playing outside uh, and this year they asked you to make the switch when did that conversation kind of start and you know for you you know wanting to wanting to make that jump
2: um, probably about I'd say two years ago um, when the staff came in, you know, I started coming in at outside linebacker with Coach Do and uh, Coach Crespo. Um, I think I went through spring ball with outside linebackers and everything like that. And then we started to realize, you know, we're a little thin in the inside. So um, talked to the coaches, Coach Frost, Coach uh, Chins, Coach Rude, Coach Do. They all talked to me and was like, you know, your skills say you can do both, but I think we kind of need you at inside. So um, they like my athletic ability. Um, they realize you know a a lot of the stuff that you do on the outside transfers over to the inside so the inside guys always deal with the outside guys and so I knew both both roles now Um, so it wasn't a big like transition to where you know you had to work on your feet or your eyes or your hand placement and stuff so um, then just came into fall camp and you know and was rolling with the inside linebackers so probably two years ago spring ball.
1: One thing you got to do at the middle is is talk. You're the one out there. Uh, what what kind of adjustment was that? And then obviously you know working with Mo Berry every day that you know helping you with that area too, making sure you got the calls and everybody's where they're supposed to be.
2: Yeah, you know Muhammad does a fantastic job of you know he realized you know you're coming from outside linebacker you know you got a lot on your plate now because inside you run the whole defense like you're the quarterback of the the defense. So uh, he did a good job of meeting with me one on one and Rude met with me one on one and our GA coach uh, Coach Brim met with me one on one so they all did a really good job of you know um, seeing the keys seeing the things that we needed to see to get everybody lined up make sure everybody's in the right position right spot at the right time Um, but yeah you know you inside linebacker you got to be very vocal you know your communication skills got to be up there because you know everyone's relying on you to get them set up and relay the call and make sure everybody's lined up right so um, definitely had to work on that you know outside linebacker you are being told what to do and then moving over to inside you're you know now you're telling people what to do so I mean I'm fine with being vocal. I'm fine with, you know, bossing people around a little bit. It's actually pretty fun for me.
1: One thing that is apparent for me watching you play, even from the get-go, is you love playing football. I mean, there were some games that your first year that weren't going our way, and it would be easy to just kind of mail it in and go through the motions. You, you were a guy that stuck out that, that didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Where, where does that passion come from with mm-hmm. you just personally? You know, where, where do you go down and, you know, just embrace every snap that you play?
2: Yeah, you know, my, I think my family does a really good job of, you know um, – taught me when I was young just to never give up, you know. If you love something, you I mean it, it's easy to just to come out there and just do it, you know. I love football. I love Nebraska. Um, yeah, it hasn't been where we wanted it to be, but you know, I still love this place. Love football, so you know, going out there and just having fun with my with my boys and, you know, being out there with Nebraska fans, um, yelling your name and yelling for you guys. I mean, it's it's easy to do. Um, but also it just it just helps that, you know. You got a lot of the other guys, you know, fighting for you too so I mean you might as well just you know put it all on the line for them as well and um, I love it though. I think my family just did a fantastic job of just you know teaching me if things aren't going your way make it go your way you know fight for what you want fight for what you need and you know um, yeah
1: you come in here and there are guys that are highly touted have big decisions to make where they want to go to school you weren't necessarily a four or five star guy but you're you're clearly an impact player of of what it means to be here and you're you're an example for what these what these younger guys on and off the field of what you're supposed to do when you were making that transition from high school to college how much of that came naturally to you to just you know play with a chip on your shoulder play with that passion that we were just talking about and, and kind of be an example no matter where you come from how many stars you have next to your name or whatever
2: yeah so um you know I came from a big high school you could say um I came from the same high school Randy Gregory came from actually, so uh, I always used to watch Randy play. You know, I'm a little young guy, running around watching the big upper guys in high school play, and you know, seeing Randy out there with all like the the swagger and the energy and the enthusiasm going around. You know, I, I kind of looked up to him, you could say. Um, so seeing him playing around, like running around with his hairs on fire and um, getting his teammates up and keeping the energy high, I think you know I kind of learned it from him. Um, So when I went into high school, you know, I learned it from him as I was watching him and then transferred over into high school for me. Um, So I think it kind of, it just, it just helps us bring the energy throughout everybody. You know, everybody kind of just sucks up that energy and everyone just goes off of that. So if you can, you know, bring people with you might might as well. So just learning it from Randy helped transfer it over from high school into college. And then college, you know, it's self-explanatory. You go out there in front of 90,000 fans, I mean, you're going to have a lot of emotions running high. You're going to have a lot of things on your mind, but it's it's just fun. It's just really fun. So I came in here with it and uh, I just want more guys to be like it. You know, you can see it every day. You know, we just played Maryland. Everyone's flying around. Everyone's, you know, celebrating and having fun. And I think it's just it's just contagious when you do it. So um, it's real fun.
1: I'm trying to remember back to your recruitment. If I remember right, you were a later commit, I think mm-hmm. in the wintertime is mm-hmm. when, you, when you decided to commit. And I know you were you had a bunch of offers that you were stewing over, but if I remember, Nebraska was one you were kind of waiting for. What was your communication first like with Nebraska when they first showed interest to you and, and then mutual you back to them?
2: Yeah, so it first started off, um, I came with Bo Pelini days with my grandpa. It was just me and my grandpa and my little brother. Um, and we came back and that was the first time, you know, everyone's always talking about like, Why you going to Nebraska? Like, what's out there in Nebraska? Like, corn and open land. And you're going to Nebraska, and I was like, you know what? Like, I have no clue what Nebraska's like. You know, I just got a little invitation from um, that old staff with Bo's staff, and I came out when they played Minnesota, and we were blown away. You know, we the people here are terrific. You know, they they are welcoming you and trying to see where you're from, and um, just just open arms, just bringing you in and you could just tell like a lot of joy, a lot of love from these people here. Um, and then you go to the game and you walk in and you're on that field and you see, you just look up and you see all the fans, you see all the red and the the, the love that these people have for the state of Nebraska just blew us away. You know, um, didn't get the offer there, or didn't get, you know, um, anything from that staff. But then years down the road, Mike Riley comes in and then gets some interest from them. Um, thankfully get the offer take my official visit with my whole family this time and they were blown away just like me my grandpa and my little brother were you know my mom was crying grandma was crying um they were just so so thankful for me and so so happy for me that, you know, these chances were opening up for me, like, and especially for a place like Nebraska, we just knew as a family that if I had the offer from here, I'd probably come here because of the people that are here, the help that you have here, the tradition here. Um, just, It's just an awesome place to be. So I think back in the bow staff, I really realized like, you know what, if I had an offer, I'd probably come here over everything. And uh, it was just probably the best decision I made.
1: Colin Miller, uh, you know, I, I was interested in, in talking with him about just his attitude, effort, and motor, um, as you heard there in, in the interview, brought that up, you know, even his first year on, on campus, his second year when Nebraska was getting throttled, I mean, he was the one out there trying and uh, you could tell it meant a lot to him to, to, to keep playing, so uh, at a time where you know that wasn't too prevalent with guys wanting to play all four quarters no matter the score he was certainly one of them and I think he's he's continued to do that and he's been a big part of this defense
0: We're back, Sports Alley Thanksgiving edition of Sports Alley here on the Oscar Sports Network. And normally we do our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten picks on Friday, but there's no Friday show. We've got games tomorrow, so we got to get into our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten picks here tonight. Our Big Ten game predictions presented by Choices Treatment Center, helping people make positive choices. All right, uh, Josh, how did we do last week? Well,
3: it was a uh, across the board a good week for uh, uh, you and – ben and myself and nate all four of us were perfect six of six uh nobody got anything wrong uh austin and tim were the other ones that played along with us they each picked uh illinois over iowa and got that one wrong but otherwise a a clean slate so the the standings have not changed it is still uh nate with a one point lead over ben um and then you and i greg we're uh Four points back of Nate. So yeah, this done.
0: could really get we're messed done. up in bowl season, though. Oh, yeah. True, it could. You know what's the difference right now is Nate picking Illinois to win at Michigan State. That's the difference. Yeah. He went out on that limb and felt terrible about it when it was twenty eight to three. Yeah. Yeah, that was big. And then he came back to get that. Let's start there, Ben, with Illinois. Northwestern travels to Champaign at eleven on Saturday on FS one. Who you got? Well, um,
1: After following Teddy on Twitter, he's not giving me a heck of a lot of reason to pick Northwestern. (laughs) Uh, They're just not a lot good with this program right now. And Like I said, uh, I think last week and maybe even the week before, gone are the days where you're just expecting the Northwestern pop up and beat somebody that they shouldn't. This is a team they should beat on paper coming into the year, and uh, I don't think they do it. So uh, I'm going to pick Illinois. I'm going to say they they, continue to play well and win and get another one before the year's over, but this is just a sad, sad year for Pat Fitzgerald.
0: I, my only worry is, what's the quarterback situation for Illinois? Peters, you know, got yeah. rocked. Uh, Lovey was mad that they didn't get a targeting call against Iowa and Geno they, but Stone. They, but
1: they've got the freshmen, too. that They they're, do. They're primed and ready to roll
0: out there. So you're staying with it. Yep. All right. I am, too. I'm I'm hanging in there with it as well, Josh. I'm going with the fighting Illini in this one. I'm going to go opposite of you guys Ooh. on this. I, I'm
3: going Northwestern. I, I have to make up some ground somehow. I'm getting a little bit desperate, and this is... A chance to do that at Northwestern has owned this series, especially of late. So I, I, I know that they they have played very, very poorly, especially offensively this season and Illinois has obviously had a great season, uh, by their standards of late. So I know this is not trending in that direction, but I'm, I, I got to go for it there. You know, I think at the last I checked, they're about an eight point underdog. Yep. So, um, well, I'm just going to go for it.
0: All right. Nate is also going with Illinois. He's been on the Illinois bandwagon for quite a while. He he is the clingiest picker ever. You yep. know, it's all it's all it's all
1: it's all like preconceived opinion with him. Like <laughs> I'm out on Minnesota. I'm never picking them. I'm in on this team. I'm out on that team. How about the rest of the boys?
3: Well, we only have one, uh, one other guy who got their picks in and that's Tim and Tim picked Illinois as well. So,
0: okay. All right, uh, Josh, to you next. The big one in, in the big house at 11 on Saturday on Big Fox, Ohio State at Michigan.
3: Yeah, I I, uh, I feel like this one's going one way, and it's Ohio State. I know that anything can happen in this game, at least that's what they say, but Jim Harbaugh has been absolutely owned by the Buckeyes, and I don't think it matters who the coach is. That Ryan Day's there now. They're... One of the best teams in the country, and I Michigan's been playing better of late, but it doesn't matter. They're going to lose, and I think they're going to lose pretty big.
0: Yeah, eight and a half's the spread on I, this. Yeah, one. they cover Ohio State covers that. I think. I, I'm with you. I think it's between a seven and a ten point margin. I go with the Buckeyes, as does Nate Roar. I'm picking the Buckeyes and big. I,
1: wow. I, this last year should have been Michigan's year. The year before that should have been Michigan's year. This year is Michigan's year. They're playing at home. <laughs> I think Ohio State rocks them. And I I think, again, this is a – Michigan is finally to the point where their fans are feeling confident enough that maybe it could happen. And, and that's what's going to make the defeat so intolerable for Coach Harbaugh. Again, Michigan has built, built their fans up just to let them
0: down again. Yeah. Okay. And Tim has uh, Ohio State too. All right. So everybody on the Buckeyes for Saturday. Okay, the last game at 11 on Saturday, the old Oaken Bucket, Indiana at Purdue uh, on ESPN 2. Six-and-a-half-point spread. The Hoosiers, who've cooled off a little bit. They've had back-to-back tough games at Penn State and then Michigan last week. They hung in there for about a half against the Wolverines and then got buried. Ben, you get to lead us off on this one.
1: I'll, I'm going to pick an upset on this one. I'll choose Purdue. I think they're, they're Coach Braum is too good of an offensive mind to, to keep this team down for, for too long, just like Coach Frost. They're dealing with a lot of injuries, but you can typically find a way to make things work. David Bell has been... Uh, you know, a savior to this offense to go from no, no playmakers to him. Bryson Hopkins had a good game, uh, the tight end last week, and I'm with you. I think Indiana certainly has cooled off. Um, you know, they've got some injuries on their side that I don't know that they can come back
3: from. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to choose the upset. I'm going with Purdue. Ooh. All right. i uh, I'm not. I, I thought this was an upset I thought about picking. I'm, g- I'm going to go with the Hoosiers. I, they have lost a couple in a row, but – those games were against, like you said, Greg, Penn State. They lost that one close just by a touchdown, and they the score against Michigan was a little bit more than what I thought, they, uh, how close the game was. So I, I'm going with Indiana. Purdue just hasn't done anything to convince me. I know that goes against everything that I said in the Northwestern game, but uh, I'm picking Indiana here, and so is Tim.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you, Josh. I'm with Indiana here. They're only favored by 6.5, yeah. but they've lost the last two years to Purdue with a bull bit on the line. I think that is stuck in their crawl all year long. I think they have waited 365 days for their next crack at the Boilers. and I just think they're a more well-rounded team. I'm, I agree with you, Ben, on Jeff Braum. I think he's brilliant. I just don't think he has quite enough weapons to pull this off. So I'm with Indiana, as is Nate. All right, to the 230 games. And, Josh, you're up for this one. Maryland at Michigan State. Maryland at <laughs> Michigan State is on FS1. Well, he has to win this one? Yeah, Mich- Michigan State was, was
3: four and six a couple weeks ago. They took care of Rutgers, and now they have Maryland. They're going to be bowl eligible, probably going uh, to just down the road to Detroit. In a quick lane bowl. But, yeah, this is n- no contest, especially after what we saw last week. My goodness, the- Maryland is not – in a good place right now michigan state's not in a good place but they're in a much better place so i'm taking how would you pick the spread it's 22 Oh, i i don't know i imagine imagine crunching the numbers for this game there's there's no way that i would ever bet on this game but if i were i would probably actually pick maryland to cover i don't know why but it's yeah i think i would pick
0: i'm i'm michigan state i don't think maryland even scores i think it's about a 31 to 3 game um Sparty and they get bowl eligible I don't think it's enough to save D'Antonio's job but they do get bowl eligible Nate's also on Michigan State I'm really down on Michigan State but I'm really 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 down yes, on
1: Maryland exactly. I mean it, watching their mo that uninspired effort that, that they gave against Nebraska and even in the first quarter uh it's hard to imagine them picking to win the, them and, and and how about guys I know we're making fun of them but what the heck are they going to do at quarterback? Mm. I mean, yeah. uh, they, about every guy they ran out there was injured against the Huskers. Four guys, yeah. So, yeah, give me Sparty. Give me Sparty big. Uh,
0: they, they clutch up and beat Rutgers <laughs> last week. They beat Maryland this week, and they find themselves in a bowl game. Yeah. All right. Uh, the West will be won in Minneapolis on Saturday, two thirty. Wisconsin at Minnesota. The winner claims the division title and g- goes to Indy in a week. Wisconsin is favored, guys, in this yeah. game by three points. But I'm going to go with the Gophers. I just think they believe in themselves. I think they have a few more weapons. And I just think it's kind of their year. I think they get it done on, uh, on Saturday at home. And Nate agrees. He's going with Minnesota Ooh. as well.
1: I'm going Wisconsin. Uh, and, and the only reason why – and this, this conversation is, has stuck in my head since media days in Chicago. But Zach Orr was one of the representatives for Wisconsin – And he talked for 15 minutes on the podium about this game. He was getting asked about it and asked about it and asked about it. They have put the picture of Minnesota chopping down the goalpost with the axe all over their locker room. This this is the, the, the only game, in my opinion, that Wisconsin has cared about all year. And I think they get their revenge.
3: I uh, I'm I'm with you, Ben. I'm going to make it an even split here. I'm taking Wisconsin. To me, this game is one a uh, 100 toss up. That three and a half point spread, I I could go either way on this one. But I for some reason I just have a gut feeling that uh, the batters are going to win it. They have been there before and they they've been playing well all year. I know that they've lost a couple games, but um, they're a solid team. Minnesota, they've obviously proven it throughout their season. But I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with Wisconsin. Uh, Tim has Minnesota here.
0: All right, pretty well evenly evenly split in the office on that game. 230 ABC, it's the opposite. The Alabama-Auburn game will be on CBS. And, Ben, you get to wrap it up. Rutgers at Penn State, 230 on BTN.
1: Sticking with my theme that I've had since I think it was the second week of September that I wasn't going to pick Rutgers to win another football game. And so, by default this week, the victors will go to Penn State. Congratulations, James Franklin, on your win. Yeah, Penn State.
0: Penn State. Nate's (laughs) Penn State. Tim's you didn't say eight. the spread on that game. I can't eight. find it. It's not listed on my little sheet. They really. pulled it off the board. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't see it either. It's not listed. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> it's not enough, whatever it is. Oh, goodness. Wow. All right, well, we'll recap next week and see how we fare. Get out of our we'll league. we have to pick Rutgers. the Big Ten championship game uh, for next week as well. But we start the hour like we do every Thursday night at 8 o'clock with our good friend, Teddy. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Well, hopefully he's out of. we can shake him out of his food coma. Did you get something <laughs> to eat on Thanksgiving?
4: I mean, is there a better day on the calendar than Thanksgiving for guys like us? Football, uh, food, the football, the family—it's uh, just the absolute best of the best. Ping pong tournament, um, <laughs> poker tournament with the family—you know, take some money off the little ones. It's really uh, everything you could hope
0: for. <laughs> Great stuff, fantastic. Well, you must have survived a wet uh, day at the horseshoe last week. Ohio State able to, able to hold off Penn State. What was your thoughts of Penn, of Ohio State?
4: It's so funny. Uh, you know, I pick all these games against the spread, and I, I did a Chicago radio station late last week, and I was talking about how much I loved Ohio State, minus 19. And when they got off to that big lead, I even put out a tweet, hey, this is why. And then the next thing you know, it's it's a one-score game because of a bunch of fumbles, and Penn State is threatening. And uh, it's like, that's what you get for getting cocky, you know? But uh, Ohio State was clearly the dominant team Uh, that was very fluky. I think if they play 10 times, Ohio state basically blows them out six or seven Um, just strange with fields being a little loose with the ball and Dobbins losing at once. But uh, you know, Ryan day said it pretty well afterwards, you know, now we actually have their attention. You know, this could be a good thing because when you win every game by at least 24 points, it's probably, it's just human nature to get a little loose on some stuff. And now, they realize that if uh, you know they have some screw-ups here and there, uh, th- their great season is potentially in jeopardy. So uh, they played great. They came on strong at the end. Uh, Justin Fields is so strong with those QB draws. You know, there was that strong, there was that like fourth and four play where everybody thought they were going to kick a field goal. They go for it, and they have these plays set up where Fields runs, and there's no defender within <laughs> ten yards of him. Northwestern needs that offensive coordinator. So a uh, great performance by Ohio State and how about the fact that they're number one now top in LSU so much respect for the big Ten this year
0: yeah Paul Feinbaum's not real happy with with, with, <laughs> with, with what's going on <laughs> on there uh, okay so now it sets up uh, the the traditional major game in this league and that's Ohio State Michigan you yeah have some thoughts on this one.
4: Yeah, man, I think it's going to be, I think it's more likely to be close than it is a blowout. I mean, Michigan is is just a shockingly good home team. You know, 13 straight victories in the big house. Uh, The last one they lost was to Ohio State in 2017. There must just be a comfort level they feel there because it's not a very intimidating place to play. Like, I don't think of Wolverines fans as particularly, particularly rabid Compared to a lot of other places in the league, uh, but they have a sense of comfort there, and it comes across in you know their performance on the field. And look, oh, as great as Ohio State is, um, you know, Michigan has been playing unbelievable. You know, what's what's interesting about Michigan is obviously, you, I'm sure you saw some of the, the the game against Notre Dame a few weeks ago, Greg. I, I mean, they dominated on the ground. I think their their ground advantage was like 305 to 73, but since then. They've been dominating offensively through the air. So Shea Patterson has been looking like a Heisman Trophy candidate the last couple weeks. They haven't been rushing for much. They've been rushing for like 85 yards a game and yet blowing out, you know, decent, semi-decent teams in Michigan State and Indiana. So they've been doing it different ways. Michigan's defense is good at home. So I think it's going to be like a touchdown game. And, um, you know, this is going to be one where I think, yeah, Ohio State is in for a real fight uh, if they're going to stick Jim Harbaugh with an 0-5 record.
0: Yeah, I mean, and plus the pressure's all on the Buckeyes to protect right. that, that thing and, and stay in the college football playoffs. So yeah, that sometimes can can make things not go the way you think they're going to go. Do you have a lean if we go out to the West now to to Wisconsin, Minnesota? Game day is going to be in Minneapolis for the the winner of that game wins the West and goes to, to the Big Ten title game. What's your what's your feel on that one?
4: Yeah, I don't you know feel. Super strong, but I'm, I'm certainly picking Minnesota in this game. I think Minnesota still been undervalued. I mean, you know, only one loss, and that loss uh, at Iowa. I mean, they just kind of ran out of time, and Tyler Johnson dropped a pass. He he, he never drops on that you know on that fourth and, and goal, that fourth and short play there. Uh, so I really think that they they should have beaten Iowa. It's a very solid team. I mean, they kind of sleptwalked through a lot of the game last week at Evanston, but you know, as good as Wisconsin is, you still have to worry about Jonathan Taylor fumbling the ball. And, um, you know, either way, I- I'm sure that's going to be a game within a field goal. The only surprising result there will be if it's, uh, you know, anything more than a 10 point win for either team.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure the state of Illinois is just clamoring with excitement for Illinois Northwestern, <laughs> right? I'm in Saturdays. Game. <laughs> it's hilarious. I had somebody, uh, I-, I was on champagne
4: radio and they said, is this Northwestern Super Bowl?" I said, no, <laughs> Northwestern's Super Bowl was last year in Indianapolis. That was the game that that was you know that they really wanted to win, that they cared about, that they were all in on. This is closing out the string, and, and of course, the Wildcats would like to win to avoid being zero and nine uh, in the Big Ten for the first time since 1981, at the dark days. Um, but Northwestern's in a spot now, like they're not even going to play their best tailback, uh, this guy uh, Hull, because he's already played four games and they want to protect his red shirt. So like, I think that gives you an indication of how much they care about this game. Um, the weird thing for Northwestern now is they're playing their fourth-string quarterback, kid named Andrew Marty, and, and he looked better against Minnesota, really, certainly than, than Hunter Johnson did and, and uh, Aiden Smith did. Um, TJ Green obviously started the season. We couldn't see much of him. So... Everybody's wondering, like, why this kid has been playing all along. So we ask Fitz that, and and basically, like, this guy's a bad practice player, Andrew Marty. So somebody asked Fitz, well, maybe he's a gamer. And Fitz, you know, launched one of his classic things. He's like, gamer schmamer. He's like, that's what I used to tell Gary Barnett when I was a freshman in sophomore. Hey, put me in, coach. I'm a gamer. I'm just not a good practice player. Fitz is not buying that. So um, we'll see what happens there in Champaign. Illinois has... A ton to play for, trying to get to a, a warmer weather bowl game, trying to uh, get some revenge on Northwestern. Northwestern's owned them of late, uh, and I think Illinois is going to have its way with the Cats. Um, Northwestern's just a depleted, beat-up team at this point.
0: Teddy, I think a lot of Northwestern fans are just uh, praying that, that Fitz will make some changes to that staff after this year. Yeah. You know him pretty well. Do you think he does it?
4: He has to do it, <laughs> and, and you are so right? About praying. I mean, I'm on a text chat with you know Adam Rittenberg and Dave Revson and and a couple other guys, and and this has just been you know this discussion that just goes on forever and ever about uh, about Mick McCallie. He's, he's a very nice man, but even when Northwestern's been you know having these great seasons, the offense is ranked in the 80s or 90s or even you know, a hundred plus, it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's uh, a, it's an offense that is just dying for some new blood. So I'm going to be coming out with a list in the next, maybe 72 hours of potential offensive coordinators. And, you know, guys will be thinking about Tom Reese at Notre Dame or Kevin Johns at Memphis, Matt Canada, uh, not working right now. He was the interim Maryland coach. He's coordinated some good offenses in the big 10. So there'll definitely be guys, you know, Look, I talk to Northwestern people, and some of them will tell me, oh, you know, don't be shocked if he comes back. I, I just would think it would be 100% unacceptable uh, for Fitz not to make big changes on this offense. It's the worst pass offense uh, in in the FBS. And if you're Jim Phillips, the athletic director at Northwestern, trying to market this team and sell season tickets, how do you do it with a team that scores about 11 points per Big Ten game? It's just untenable. Things have to change.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, you dropped a nice uh, piece early in the week about a, something that's really gripping a lot of people in this country, and that's opioids. Uh, Mike Hireman, who played at Notre Dame, gets hooked on it. I think a lot of athletes have had to fight through this. Give me the backstory on this. Yeah,
4: man, thanks for, for asking. So Mike Hyreman, a very promising uh, tight end out of Naples, Florida, a couple of years ago. Um, Ohio State wants him badly because Ohio State already has his big brother, Jeff Hireman, who's now in the NFL. But uh, Mike chooses Notre Dame, and he just gets very, very unlucky with injuries. He ends up having six surgeries on his core and and hips, so he's unable to play football anymore. And you know he's prescribed pain painkillers, and he starts taking Percocet and um, Oxycontin and, and a lot of these drugs that people have heard of. And it's really a combination effect where you know he's taking these pills he's getting addicted um uh, he's losing structure in his life because uh, you know he's always had football he's always had to show up for things now all of a sudden he's you know sleep until the afternoon he's he's depressed he's he's feeling you know physical pain from all these surgeries his his grades are suffering at their name and his life is really spiraling out of control and he um, you know gets basically booted academically from their name he spends some time back home he's under the influence of some bad people and now he's just fully hooked and once you get hooked on these opiates you know then you become liable to take meth and heroin and you just take whatever you can to as he calls it just chasing a high so finally his parents bring him into you know drug rehab at, a Hazleton, at the Hazelton Betty Ford clinic in Minnesota that doesn't work Mike's back on his own, and then he tries heroin for uh, the first and second time, and then he says to himself, "This is it." and he drives eight hours back to that clinic and and that's something that I really talked about in the story you know I wanted to give advice for parents and family members. you know one of the things is like it's tough love, but ultimately you can't just grab your kid and force him into rehab. That kid has to want to be in rehab and change his or her life. And that's what happened with Mike. So the second time, rehab went well. And uh, he is uh, two years sober in early December and about to graduate from Notre Dame. He's a 25-year-old undergrad, but uh, proud to be finishing up. And his parents are thrilled with um, how he's turned out.
0: Well, it's a great reading. And folks can go find it if they follow you at Teddy Greenson on Twitter. They can get to the link of that. Well, thank you for giving us some time on on this wonderful holiday, football, family, and and food. It's a, a great thing. We'll talk to you again next week.
4: Thank you, Greg. Best wishes to you and your family.
0: Normally on Monday's show, which we didn't have this week because of Husker basketball down on the Cayman Islands, we uh, get a chance to talk with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com, but like Teddy Greenstein, he's been very kind with his time to join us here on a Thanksgiving night to reflect back on last weekend's games and a look ahead to rivalry weekend. Uh, you had a fun little trip out to the desert, right, to go check out a couple of Pac-12 games. How was your trip out there?
5: Uh, Yeah, it was a nice uh, break here. Uh, You know, pretty cool, actually, down in Tucson. But then uh, game day in Tempe and Tucson, certainly better than some of the spots I've been. So, got a chance to see at least the first part of the Oregon game. And they obviously went down to Arizona State and struggled. And they're kind of out of the playoff race, but still have a chance to win the Pac-12. And then Utah, another very impressive victory over Arizona. Game was really not competitive. Um, for most of the way, and, and that's a really a uh, complete team that Kyle Whittingham has right now.
0: Yeah, Herm Edwards continues to kind of do some pretty good things at ASU, and that that certainly spoils uh, the season for Oregon. What'd you make of Utah as you watch the Utes in person?
5: Uh, you know they uh, they're really good. I mean, they're really good, Greg. You know, defensively, I think they've allowed less than ten points in six or of their last seven or seven of their last eight games. So. They're a very complete defense, and they also are a really good complementary team. You know, uh, you look at some of the other teams that they could be competing with for that final playoff spot, and, you know, Alabama's got issues defensively and, or Oklahoma's got issues defensively. Utah doesn't really have those. You know, they, their offense under, you know, Andy Ludwig, who's been the coordinator there before he came back, he's in his first year. Their offense has been really, really good and efficient and balanced and they keep their defense uh, fresh. A you know, the, the couple of the defensive players were telling me that you know last year they were on the field for you know, sometimes 70 or 75 plays. This year it's like 50, and, uh, and you can see the difference. And so they, they're a really uh, complete team and a very impressive team, one that Kyle Whittingham, their coach, told me it probably has the most talent that he's had since he's been there, and he's obviously been there for a very long time.
0: Adam, we hear so much about do they pass the eye test. Kind of from the sounds of it, they do yours at least to a certain degree.
5: Yeah, they really do. And, you know, I think it's because they um, are, are so they're, – they're, they're really a balanced team. And I, I think the, the key was really the offense, Greg, right? because that's been the unit that has had a lot of shuffling over the years under Kyle Whittingham. He's kind of blown through all these offensive coordinators. And even though their quarterback, Tyler Huntley, has been there and the running back, Zach Moss, has been there, um, they haven't really uh, been consistent. And this year, you know, Huntley has dramatically improved as a passer – Moss has been terrific at running back, and, um, and their offensive line, which is a little bit of a question mark, has held up nicely. And so you know, that's really helped. We knew they were good on defense. I mean, they got probably you know, at least six, if not seven or eight, future NFL players on the defensive side. And so that, that's a defense that can go toe-to-toe, in my opinion, with Ohio State, with Clemson, with, LSU, oh, sorry, with Georgia, with Auburn, some of the best defenses in the country. They're, they're that talented.
0: All right, let's turn our attention to this week. You, you kind of said last week was a little bit the calm before the storm because now here we go with some, some big-time matchups this week. Let's start with the one in the Big Ten, Ohio State and Michigan. It appears that Michigan has found some, some things to get themselves right. Do you give them a shot on Saturday against the Buckeyes?
5: Absolutely. You know, they, they have really been impressive since the second half of the Penn State game. They've figured out their identity on offense and – I credit them for for sticking with things. I spoke to one of their assistant coaches last week, and he said, "Listen, Josh Gaddis, their coordinator, not calling things dramatically differently, but they're obviously playing at a much higher level um, and not making so many mistakes. You know, they had 14 turnovers in their first, you know, six or seven games. A lot of fumbles. You know, Shea Patterson's been almost flawless uh, the last couple of games. Nine touchdown passes. They're running the ball. Their offensive line, which isn't a great unit." But one that's hold, holding up pretty well. So, and that, they obviously play much better at home. They haven't lost a home game since two years ago against Ohio State. And so that's another thing that favors them going against the Buckeyes, who looked, you know, a little bit mortal last week with some of their own miscues. And then down south,
0: the the Iron Bowl, um, no Tua, and this this thing could be interesting. Your thoughts about Auburn, Alabama?
5: Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting on a number of levels. Uh, you know, you look at Alabama; they have to win this game. To remain alive for the college football playoff, you know, Mac Jones, who relieved Tua uh, last week, you know, has looked good in some low-pressure situations. Arkansas, Coastal Carolina, second half against Mississippi State when they had a big lead. Now can he go into Jordan Hare Stadium against one of the better defenses in the country and make and make plays? And uh, they're going to have to do that. Now can Auburn score on Alabama? It could be a very low-scoring game with two younger quarterbacks in Bo Nix and. Mac Jones, you know, Bo Nix hasn't, I think, made the progress that Auburn thought he would, um, even though he's a young player. He started every game. You know, he's, he's really struggled against some of their ranked opponents. So can he, can he make plays against this Alabama defense? Or are they going to need their own defense to really win the game for them? And there's just so many implications here regarding Gus Malzahn. And if they lose the game, what, what's going to happen with him? If they win the game, you would assume that he's going to be back. So, so there's there's a lot of intrigue here aside from just a great rivalry that takes place.
0: Another great rivalry is Bedlam, Oklahoma-Oklahoma State. You, you alluded to the Sooners a little earlier. Uh, if they want to stay a part of the conversation, they they have to have this one. And and the Cowboys look like they maybe are playing a little bit better football. And, it, and you never know in a rivalry game, I would guess.
5: Right. And, you know, it's another opportunity. You know, Oklahoma's schedule has helped them in the sense that they've had some opportunities to, to win games against ranked teams. Now they are not winning with style points. I mean, you saw that against Baylor. You saw that against Iowa state you saw that against TCU last week. So, you know, their margin for error doesn't seem to be very wide and they're going to play an Oklahoma state team, which is playing a lot better on the defensive side. You know, in talking to some big 12 coaches last week, they noticed, that defense is playing better. And that's really a theme throughout the Big 12. A lot of teams are playing better defense this year, starting with Baylor and their breakthrough. But, um, you know, I think with a a new quarterback and Drew Brown taking over for Spencer Sanders, you would expect Oklahoma State to try to run the ball heavily with Chuba Hubbard and, and keep that Oklahoma offense off the field. I think Oklahoma State will take the same approach that Kansas State took in terms of running the ball, trying to control the clock, and then limiting Oklahoma's opportunities, um, but uh, you know it's uh, they, they've obviously struggled mightily in this game. Mike Mike Gundy's done a lot of great things at his alma mater, but he has really struggled to beat Oklahoma. So this would be a big opportunity for the Pokes and for the Sooners. They got to win this one to stay alive in the playoff race.
0: Saturday night game uh, in Stillwater for that one. I want to come back to the Big Ten real quickly, Adam. Minnesota, ten-win team already. They still have to win this game over Wisconsin to win the West. Remarkable story going on there. And maybe a Rose Bowl berth on the line, perhaps, in between these two.
5: Right, yeah. You know, The winner, obviously, would face Ohio State in the league championship game. And presuming the Buckeyes win that, they'd be heavily favored to do so. The loser would head to the Rose Bowl to play uh, Utah or Oregon. And it's huge. I mean, it's already been an incredible season, a historic season for Minnesota. Only two 10-win seasons, I think, since uh, 1905 or the early 1900s. And, you know, now they have this great opportunity to retain the axe against Wisconsin, which will be highly motivated. TCF Bank Stadium, you know, I'm interested to see how Wisconsin can cover Minnesota's receivers. Uh, Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson, one of the better receiver tandems in the country, going up against that Jim Leonard-coordinated Badger defense, which, you know, supposedly is better in the back end. So that'll be intriguing. And then how does Minnesota defend Jonathan Taylor? did a pretty good job against him last week – sorry, last year – But the last three weeks, he's eclipsed 200 rushing yards. And, you know, Wisconsin, is I'm telling you, Greg, they're going to be so fired up for this game. Both teams will. But Wisconsin felt they were embarrassed. They've obviously dominated this rivalry, and they would love to uh, at least uh, ruin the the, the Gophers' chances to to go to the Big Ten Championship. They want that axe back,
0: Adam. They want to get that thing back in their possession.
5: Absolutely. And this is, you know, a, a game that, um, uh, you know, again, it's, it's been one-sided, but there's uh, you know, Minnesota has clearly improved here in recent years, winning the game last year. You know, they were fairly close a couple of years ago in Madison, uh, back when Jerry Kill was there. But, um, yeah, I, I just think both teams, because of Minnesota's improvement, uh, it, it looks very even. And uh, you know, Minnesota being at home, they, they've obviously won all their games on their home field, beating Penn State. And uh, Tanner Morgan, their quarterback, you know, he, he had the, the, the concussion, or we thought he had a concussion after Iowa, but he returned very impressive last week against Northwestern. So um, I think I give Wisconsin the edge defensively, but um, uh, you know, I think Minnesota's got the edge offensively with the, with those uh, receivers. So that's going to be the matchup of the game. Oh, it'll be fun.
0: All right, uh, where are you headed? One of these games or I mean, something we didn't touch yeah, on? Value
5: for me. First ever game at uh, LSU, Tiger Woo! Stadium at night. Um, going to see the number one team. I wanted to see them. For a while, and uh, you know, this is sort of the opportunity. So um, they're going up against Texas A&M. We know that game was wild last year with all the overtimes. I'd be surprised if uh, if that happens, but you know, this has become a, quite a rivalry, and you know, it's the last step for LSU before the SEC championship game. So excited to see if they can get it done. Oh, you're going to love it. Travel safe, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks,
0: Greg. Well, again, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Some of you may be traveling back home. Be safe out there tonight. Uh, as you head back to your house. Be safe if you're traveling into Lincoln for the game tomorrow. Uh, My thanks to Ben and to Josh and to all of you for being a part of this one tonight. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you again early in the morning with the opening drive at 8.30. Good night.